Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hi there. I'm Laura Wasser. And if anyone knows how much divorce sucks, it's me. I've been practicing family law for over 25 years, and I've worked on thousands of divorces, from the top of the food chain all the way down to my very first case, which was my own divorce when I was 25. It has become my life's mission to destigmatize divorce and create a community around what is already a difficult time. We call it the evolution of dissolution. So welcome to the Divorce Sucks Podcast, where we talk about breaking up, getting divorced, and moving on. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night through. Good morning. Good morning to you. Hey, guys. Happy Labor Day. Good morning, everybody. This is the Sunny Side Up Report, and we're Laura and Johnny. And hopefully you guys are on your way to the beach or chilling somewhere. Nice barbecue. a very chillicious episode today. But before we get into it, want to talk to you about some stories in the news that regard breakups and dissolutions and marriages and relationships. So welcome to the Sunny Side Up Report. Yes, and what a Sunny Side Up Report we have today it's got extraterrestrial baby mama drama included in it. Um, have you heard this story uh, broken by the New York Times? I read about it, and I've, I've, I've got to say, I f***ing love it. I mean, Tell us. this is what's happening in this world. Well, actually, not in this world, in, in outer space. So apparently, Anne McLean, who is a decorated NASA astronaut, she's also a lieutenant in the Army, she was checking her wife's bank account in outer space and the wife because as as you do (laughs) i mean she claims she was doing it to make sure that their kid had enough money for whatever he needed money for right but the wife summer warden is her name or warden is suing her or accusing her of identity theft and improper access to uh her private financial records (sighs) Wild. What a tangled web we weave. Don't think that just because you leave the, this universe, clearly, that you're able to get away with shit. Well, you and just the, don't. And the astronaut, Ms. McLean, you know, she says unequivocally that there's no truth to these claims. So, she, so she hacked into their own account and did some cyber changes. I so mean, it doesn't really matter that she was in space. I mean, it's just an it's interesting story. It's just where story. it happened and right. where it happened, and and actually, it wasn't even a hack. She she claims she had access, right? So do keep in mind, folks, I mean, the bottom line here, regardless of the fact that this is a very interesting story because they're astronauts and they were doing it in space, when you do, and they were able to trace it back to NASA, that's how they got her, you know, so even if you're in space, they still trace it back to your work. So now you're embroiling your employer Mm -hmm. or the company for which you work in some of this personal stuff, and they will be able to find it. Most computers, um, your employers will have access to, even if you're doing personal stuff. So come on. Come on now. Intergalactic divorce drama. Next up, we've got uh, four reasons husbands feel like they hate their wives. (laughs) Only four? (laughs) This one is written by Samantha Vicente from Good Housekeeping. Experts weigh in on the complicated brew of feelings men men may have for their wives after years of marriage. And they share what to do if you want to save your relationship. And one of the things I find really interesting is, well, two, actually. One is not arguing is a bigger red flag than fighting. It is very healthy to have arguments. Do not tamp down that resentment. Mm. Have 
the conversations and the communication. The other thing, I do hear this a lot from clients. Her role as a mom has left you feeling neglected. Mm. And sometimes we as parents, particularly moms, if we are the homemakers, if we are the ones that are primarily in charge of kids, will spend so much time trying to get the kids under control and, and tend to them at, that we sometimes forget that there's a partner there that we need to let in on some of it. Mm. And again, I have these conversations a lot right. with women's groups and stuff. A, let your partner take over some of that, even if they may do it, not do it as well as you, right. still getting done. And B, make sure that you are devoting time to your relationship in addition to devoting time to your kids. Good it's advice. not just a throwaway rich white lady thing mm. to say. Make that time. I don't care if you're going to the Applebee's down the street or just having like a quiet dinner when the kids are with your sure. folks or whoever else. Make that time. Another Maybe th- your white husband won't hate you if you do that. <laughs> that. Another thing that I thought was interesting in this article that uh, she writes about is taking a solo retreat, that, which can bring clarity on your marriage. Right. And here's my favorite, of course. Consider the possibility that it may be you, <laughs> not your wife. <laughs> Dick. Okay. I'm, I'm a little angry today much. Okay. I can't wait to get Alexa in here with her bong. All right. Finally. Yes. Oh, wait. Are there two Oh, more? actually, okay. you, you know what? We should talk about this, but this, for some reason, didn't make it into yes. the one sheet. Okay. From the members of my tribe. Yes. British court orders businessman to pay wife alimony until he gives her a get. Now, is that a get the F out or what no, is a get? A get is a, in the Jewish religion, yes. it's the divorce that you get from the Jewish church or the temple. So you and get a get. You get a get. And I have actually had cases where that has been an issue mm. that, that you need to do it. And it's not easy to get a get, <laughs> but both people really should be on the same page. So what happened? This is the Times of Israel and yes. it's by um, Marcy Oster. Tell us what happened. So Alan Moore of Manchester was ordered last year by a high court judge to pay his wife alimony as well. And this is really some package to pay his wife alimony as well as about $1.7 million in a lump sum by the completion of their civil divorce in May 2018 and then pay interest on any outstanding sum of the lump payment and an additional yearly payment until he gave her a get. I mean, I think he should give it to her. Yeah, give her the get. Again, this is in the UK, but I have seen judges in the U.S. as well uh, sanction people if they're playing games with regard to things, provisions of a judgment of Mm. dissolution. One of the provisions is that you'll cooperate with regard to getting a get or something like that, and you're not doing it, you could get, you could get punished. And then, so just forgive me, you know, I, I, for my ignorance, I'm not Jewish. Um, (laughs) Johnny. I know. Just admit it. Only by injection. Johnny the Jew. Back in high school. The uh, process by which they get a get, is that something that you as an attorney also can manage for these? Not at all. No, we don't do gets. And we don't do them when it's over easy, unfortunately. Maybe maybe in 2020. <laughs> no, that's a religious thing. You get it through a rabbi. Generally, you would talk to your rabbi about it. But it, it is something that people will negotiate during their dissolution because it will then affect your next marriage or your standing in the religious sect that you, in which you participate. Got it. Post-baby marriage counseling taught me my favorite way to check in with my husband by Shannon Vestal Robson. Yes. This is from Pop Sugar. 
seeking counseling after every baby saved this couple's marriage. Yes, her sister, I guess uh, Shannon's sister, told her that marriage counseling is is so imperative. And every time you have a new baby, you have to go no matter what. And again, guys, you know, some people that listen say, oh, well, we couldn't afford counseling, whatever. You would be amazed. Check out It's Over Easy. Check out the index. Look at what we've got to offer. But also, in your own city, there are, you know, counseling. There's groups. If it's your church, your temple, the local high school or or college, the library, there are all kinds of places that you can go to get this kind of mental health check-in. Don't just write it off because you think that you can't afford it. There are people out there that are willing to speak with you and help you. And although counseling may be able to save a marriage, what about weed? <laughs> we'll find out next when cannabis law attorney Alexis Steinberg joins us right here in the Divorce Suck studio. Ciao for now. For those of you who have read my first book, It Doesn't Have to Be That Way, you may recall a story about this bass player. It was the early 2000s, and let's call him Zach. And we were on the phone one morning going over the settlement offer sent to my office by Zach's wife's lawyer. And as I presented my analysis of the first couple of terms, I heard on the other end of the line an unmistakable bubbling sound that took me back to high school. And I asked incredulously, Zach, are you taking a bong hit, dude? Heavy exhalation from the receiver and a long sigh ending in, yeah. And I said, you're taking a bong hit when you're on the phone with your divorce attorney. And he wisely responded, is there a better time? And, um... He's kind of right. And I'm not proposing that 21st century divorce is best handled while stoned. But I have always admired that Zach's Zen attitude towards the process, I think, in many ways got him through it. Since then, Washington, D.C. and 11 other states so far, including New York State in July of 2019, have legalized marijuana for recreational use for adults over 21. And 33 states have legalized medical marijuana. With pot legal now in California and in these other places, if you imbibe or you know someone who does and divorce is on your mind or theirs, pay close attention to today's episode because joining us today is an attorney on the forefront of cannabis law. She's one of Los Angeles' premier cannabis business attorneys, a good friend, one of the all-female team of fierce attorneys at Manzuri Law who specialize in all matters related to cannabis, corporate, and transactional law, cannabis licensing and regulatory compliance, and cannabis criminal defense. She's also the new councilwoman for Studio City. Welcome to Divorce Sucks, Alexa M. Steinberg, Esquire. Thank you. So... Alexa and I actually are like distant family relations too. And I have known her long enough to know her when she was a little kid. And she was like, I think I want to be a lawyer. And I was like, that's a great idea. And she was like, but not a family law attorney. And I was like, okay, <laughs> what do you think? And at the time she didn't know, but I'm very glad to see that she's fallen into something amazing, particularly after Prop 64 passed here in California in November of 2016. Tell us a little bit about you and about Missouri Law and about why you do what you do? Oh gosh, what a loaded question. <laughs> um, well, it's kind of, it's a lot of fun. I, I like to tell people that I'm um, making drug dealers into businessmen. Uh huh. Not that they're not businessmen before, right. but now they're like legal. They're legit. They're like paying taxes, yes. which they like really hate to do. Yes. Um, you know, I started in criminal defense. Well, let's rewind a little bit. I did start in family law <laughs> for about six years. Um, and they determined that 
I loved it, but and I didn't. You have to smoke way too much pot to I, continue yes, practicing it. Yes, you do. It. Yes. You absolutely We've, do. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, ventured outward and um, joined a criminal law um, practice in Beverly Hills. And mainly what we would do was like cannabis-related defense. Um, uh, retailers who were being popped for illegal operations, uh, grow-ups, manufacturers, and as the law began to evolve, my clients were like, you are so rad. You got us out of court. But like, how do you keep us out of court? Right. And so we started to advise them as to how to operate a compliant business. And, you know, before Prop 64 and all of this licensing, we had to follow the attorney general guidelines, right. which were literally just that. They were guidelines. Right. So, um, And the way that I kind of described it to my clients was – you know, it's it's sort of like self-defense. Like, you don't have a license to be able to do it. Right. But you have an affirmative defense should you be dragged into court to present right. one. So, you know, if you kill somebody in, in the name of self-defense, doesn't mean you're not going to be dragged into court to prove it. Right. Um, and so that's how the, the industry really worked for years up until Prop 64. How much has your practice changed post- November 2016. I mean, now you oh, just God, focus I don't on other recognize things. it. I had, if you asked me maybe even a year ago what I would be doing right now in the industry, it's unrecognizable. But you, you have, have no as much, if not more, work now than you did before. It's just a different yeah. kind, correct? Yeah, it's just a different kind of work. I've got, you know, you used to have just like either the stoner guys right. or like, you know, all the big black rappers right. or, you know, the people in Topanga who just love to, you know, grow and smoke their right. own weed. Right. Now I've got like corporate America coming in and, and saying to me, you know, I want to be, I want this to be buttoned up and 99% nine, uh, you know, effective and, and I need to be safe. And I was like, bro, you're in the wrong industry for right. that. This isn't for the faint of the heart. West. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to be a hundred percent protected. Sorry. Do clients ever pay you and bud? Oh yeah. Yes. I mean, in addition to the right. loads of cash I get, right. um, you know, <laughs> it's sometimes you know, they'll come in, they'll be like, Oh, you know, I've got like all this weed and like, I want you to try it. And it's very funny because when I started, I, my clients would kind of dance around it because, you know, I'm an attorney. Right. So they'd you're wearing say, your suit yeah. and your, your black pumps and, and you guys exactly. can't see her, but look at the picture on the website. She's gorgeous. <laughs> Thank but you. They, but she's not exactly like your typical stoner girl looking. No. I so know her well like, enough to know she is. One not a stuff. chance. And they dance or they go, so are you fortune friendly or are you a patient? And I was like, are you trying to ask me if I smoke? <laughs> Yes, I do. Oh, then I have to bring you like my newest harvest and it's this, that and the other. And so, you know, they'd, they'd come in with grocery bags of cash and weed. And I'd be like, you know, that's very nice of you. Next time, separate bags. Right. So my cash doesn't smell of weed. Um, you know, it's it was such a learning curve. I mean, who works in a law firm that has a money counter? No, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's incredible. There should be a TV show based on it. I mean, weed's They've tried. on it. They've yes, tried. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, and I know you did family law. You and I are similar in that we both work in fields where California law differs from federal law. 
Yeah. And so we have to deal with that, you know, both with like when I deal with spousal support and and issues regarding same-sex marriages, the feds don't recognize that yet. So that's an issue for me. And you have to do the same with regard to some of, I would imagine, the licensing stuff and also criminal penalties with other states or federally. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. You wrote an excellent article on the It's Over Easy blog called Can I Lose Child Custody for Smoking Weed? And it really is one of the best articles that we've had up. Not only Thank because you. it's it's really informational, but it's written in a way that I believe everybody can understand it and relate to it. And I mean, again, so many people have said it's just the same as drinking. And it is the same as drinking to a certain extent. Yeah. You say in here, some people come home and they have a glass of wine. That, yeah. That'd be me. Some people <laughs> come home and they smoke a joint. I don't know that the learning curve has... They say the law is the last thing to change. I'm not oh, sure yeah. that's the case, though, with regard to this, because I still think post-November 2016, I have judicial officers that will look at a parent that has smoked pot differently than a parent who has had a drink just because they're older just because of the mentality and so when you're having somebody sit up there in a black robe deciding child custody issues or even child protective services it hasn't trickled down to them quite yet they're still going to have those same taboos that that go along with pot smoking that don't go along to even forget wine having you know two or three scotches when you get home is going to you up worse than maybe having a hit of pot, which you, if you have one every day. So tell about how that has kind of, I mean, if you know how that has affected clients and stuff like that, because you write it beautifully yeah, in the article. I mean, it's, it, it really is a discretionary issue. I mean, when you're dealing with a judge or you're dealing with a cop, anything in, in you know, the law says one thing, but really the choice is on the judicial officer to determine how they want to handle it. Um, and, you know, it's still a taboo issue that we're still trying to change the name of, we're still trying to change the face of. Um, That's a lot of what Mansory Law does is we're trying to change the face related to cannabis and it's not just the stoner guy on the couch, right? which is what I feel some of these judges still have envisioned in their mind. Sure. Um, because you know, even if they're the younger judges, they're still around my age and they're, they've grown up thinking like smoking pot a is a no-no. Yeah. And maybe some of them haven't done it. I mean, that's what's crazy to me. I've never trusted people who's never <laughs> smoked pot. I think that's like not liking dogs. That's weird. No, I, I'm You don't totally have to like you. it. I mean, you don't but have to like it. But you had to have done it. Right. Who were you if you, you were the narc in, the, in your like fraternity? <laughs> A hundred percent. And those are the people that become judges, unfortunately, yeah, a lot then of you're times. Like, so, right. I mean, I, I remember one time I had a case in Lancaster Courthouse. And there, uh, my client had been pulled over with, you know, bags and bags of weed in the back of his truck. And he had some joints and blunts, like, in his cab. And, God, I died. If I could get the transcript. The... The cop starts to explain that he had found a few blunts and the judge proceeded to request a description of what a blunt was. Oh, dear. Um, And listening to this cop describe what a blunt was, I I had to excuse myself from the courtroom. (laughs) It was completely inaccurate, but it was hysterical. And they were like, and how do we spell that? I was dying. It was hysterical. But there's still so many people who have just really no clue. And that's a really big problem in this industry is education is lacking. Right. 
Right. You know, so uh, Manzuri Law does a lot of legal seminars, panels, yes, I've um, seen. educational material. We wrote a book called Legal Weed. And so, you know, it's it's all about education. It's all about understanding cannabis as health benefits and really not making it so much of an evil enemy. Stereotypical. Yeah. The industry has really evolved in state license and regulatory compliance. There was a huge time period after Prop 64 passed where there was this transition between these illegitimate businesses over to legal licensed entities. And everybody was kind of floating in this, like, I'm half doing it right until I really have to do it right. You know, and I, I can't speak for the industry as a whole, but I, I would venture to say that the consensus really was that they wanted legalization. Um, but I don't think that there was a true understanding of the regulatory compliance that kind of came with that right. and the finances that came with that and the taxes that came with that. I mean, if you go and buy cannabis at a retail dispensary, you're paying 33% tax. Wow. You've got a 15% excise tax to the state. You have a local tax. Then you have your sales tax. Um, you know, and these businesses that used to roll in money, the price per pound, I never thought I'd knew, know the price per pound <laughs> for a week, um, but the price per pound has plummeted where it, they used to be able to sell these pounds at $3,000 a pound. We're now at sixteen, seventeen for top shelf. Wow. Um, you know, so these, these businesses in this transition are really struggling and they're really learning how to follow standard operating procedures. You know, when I sit down and I draft these for my clients, I go, okay, so tell me about the pesticides you use and tell me about the watering of the plants and tell me about like what this looks like. If I were to come in and help you cultivate these plants, like what's my to-do list? And they kind of look at me with a blank stare because they were never, right. you know, they just kind right. of went by the seat of their pants. But now everything has to be written down. All of their procedures have to be defined. And the state wants to see that. Right. And then your firm hosted the weed panel. Johnny wants us to listen to something from that. I'm Alexis Steinberg, and today was our legal weed panel. We have speakers from across the industry, city attorneys, the Department of Cannabis Regulations, Green Angels, MedMen, Candescent. Looking forward to discussing what we've been up to the last year and kind of where we're going in 2019. I think that the discussion was enlightening. I think the discussion was elevated. We know that what we're going to do is going to set the foundation for the rest of the state and probably the rest of the country. Because the truth is, none of us are living in a silo. This is all interconnected. So even though you may not think you need to worry about testing, well, you do. I think it's interesting, obviously, being a family law attorney. Have you had clients that have gone through divorces that have like either had a business, had a had a what do you call it, a field, a, a growery, yeah. yeah, and they and then they cultivation, sp- then they split. I mean, have you dealt with that? Because I think that the shift in the law is so interesting in terms of okay, I had this 
company. It was separate property. It was community property. And then I had to go through this whole legalization process. And that really, really changed what my company looked like. It changed the licensing of my company. It changed the income of the company. Have those been issues that you've dealt with thus far? Uh, You know, I've dealt with that a little bit. This is still so fresh and so new that we haven't had the chance to really get involved in things like that. Up until this point, if my client had a spouse, they really, from what I see, didn't want anything to do with it. Right. You know, because it wasn't legal. And so, you know, this is my husband's chick or this is my wife's chick and I don't want anything to do with it. It's solely theirs, you know, because with that came a lot of risk. Right. And you still have, you know, some risk at a federal level. Although I like to tell people like Trump could come knock on my door. Is he going to? Probably not. But right. he could. Right. And that's kind of how we look at federal law. Like, are they going to come shut you down? Probably not. But they could. But okay. So but according to the feds, marijuana is still classified as a schedule one drug with high potential for abuse right up there with yeah. heroin, ecstasy and peyote. And then from Esquire magazine, we have an article, Here are the States that have legalized weed, published just recently on June 27, 2019. So, and then I guess from Reuters, New York State decriminalizes pot, stops short of Cuomo's legalization call published on June 29th. So we are seeing a trend to decriminalize, but not on the federal level. Do you think that'll happen? Um, You know, I mean, they it really depends on problems. our administration. <laughs> right. They've got definitely have bigger problems. Uh, one of the biggest issues and w- why so Reagan put cannabis as a schedule one drug. Right. He kind of like stuck it there and then like forgot about right. it. Right. And one of the big difference between a schedule one and a schedule two, which things like cocaine are schedule two. Oh. The the big difference is the recognized medical use. And oh, so in order okay. for it to move down the schedule. There's got to be a lot of testing. FDA. So there's more people using cocaine for medicinal purposes than pot? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. How is that possible? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. That that marijuana is along with heroin and LSD and all those good stuff. Is there anything about the addictive quality of it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. That's also one of the requirements as a Schedule One drug that it's highly addictive. But that's also with Schedule Two drugs as well. The big difference between one and two is that recognized medicinal purpose. And um, you know, there's been a huge fight in Washington to either deschedule or reschedule cannabis um and they lost one of their fi- you know they continue to di- to right. to lobby and all of that sort of stuff but about a year and a half ago they lost their fight to reschedule but what they did win was the ability to open up cannabis at a federal level for testing. So where I think it was the University of Mississippi, they had a monopoly on the ability to federally test cannabis and they've opened that up. And since then, there have been hundreds of research schools and labs that have applied for a federal the federal ability to test cannabis. And once the FDA gets enough results and and research studies around it, there is a possibility to reschedule it or deschedule it. But keep in mind, even if you reschedule it to schedule two, it's still illegal. Right. You know, cocaine is schedule two. It's still illegal. So there's a lot that needs to be done on a federal level to get to federal legality. Right. Where's the tobacco industry in all of this? Well, tobacco in California specifically 
California, when they created the uh, licensing schemes, they put they really made it a mom and pop business deal. Okay, they did not want big tobacco, big alcohol to come in, um, and so the the largest licenses, the licenses that allow you to grow like over twenty two thousand square feet of canopy, those won't be available until next few years, at which point I do see that large tobacco and large alcohol will come in. And I really think that we're looking at the cannabis industry, fast forward a few years ahead, is kind of going to look like the craft beer industry. Really? I think that's kind of where we're heading. Alexa isn't the only one with breaking news. Make sure to hang around at the end of this podcast for the latest breaking headlines on the AP News Minute. 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? Get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get the True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to TrueCar and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate TrueCash offer from a local TrueCar certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. Divorce is rarely something people come to without a great deal of thought. But what happens to those thoughts when marijuana is involved? And can you use cannabinoids safely to help regulate your mood? I'm your host, Laura Wasser, and today we're talking about getting stoned. We're speaking with attorney and cannabis law expert, Alexis Steinberg, and you can read more about weed, divorce, and revamping your mood with cannabis on the Insights blog on It's Over Easy. Just type in Alexa, A-L-E-X-A, Steinberg, S-T-E-I-N-B-E-R-G, into the search bar. And one of the great articles that we have on there already is Can I Lose Custody for Smoking Weed, Use Versus Abuse? and safe cannabis use. Alexa's personal approach to cannabis from her upcoming Insights article is called Define How You Want to Feel, CBD, THC, and Revamping Your Mood. And we are going to publish that the same week that this podcast dropped, so enjoy both. I I can tell you exactly what you should be doing while you're enjoying it. I'm sure she will, too. Understanding the difference between cannabis, hemp, CBD, and THC. We've talked a little bit about that, but this is really your first steps to your personal cannabis guide. And again, Alexa's personal approach is very interesting to me because I don't think I've ever been able to really get a good regulatory read on it. I, I'm I'm the parent where I could not possibly smoke pot when I had my kids with me because I'm I can't do anything. There's three things I can do when I <laughs> smoke pot, and one of them taking is taking care of your children is not, not one. It's not on that list anywhere near it. I can tan really well, which is combined uh-huh. with sleeping. I can eat and I can have sex, which my boyfriend can attest to. It's, those are the Great only things. three things. Like I could not operate heavy machinery, including I would advise you to do so. I couldn't nope. cook anything. No, I certainly could not speak on the phone with a client. So that I, I'm not the greatest candidate, but I certainly I'm going to read the article because I would. 
<laughs> like to know how to, you know, it's one of those things. And again, it's just, it is, it is such, a, I'll call it the Wild West, like the internet used to be. And we've gotten regulations and things with that. And it's still hit or miss for a lot of it. But this is such a vast field of law. And again, changing those taboos. Um, but but tell us a little bit what we can expect from this next blog article. Like, how do you, because clearly now you've become a maven on on pot. Yeah, you know, I really wrote this this next Insights article kind of about my approach and, and somebody's approach that's brand new to cannabis. Because I've got everybody from my mother to my aunts to friends of friends, mothers of friends asking me, you know, I have this ailment or, you know, I kind of want to get into it. I'm really, I don't know where to start. And that's kind of what this article really does. It kind of gives you the step one of like, first of all, what is it? Right. What's CBD? What's THC? Do I want to get high? Do I not want to get high? My mother is always like, can I have a pen? But I like, I don't want to be high. <laughs> like I just, I just want to calm down a little bit. And so I've become my family drug dealer, which is kind of a lot of fun. Right. You know, and it, I have a client of mine who has created this version of kind of like a DNA test. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a link in my article. And it's a test, a kit that you order. And it's a swab of your cheek. And it'll kind of tell you what strains and cannabinoids are best for you. That's for what amazing. you want. Yeah, it's incredible. And I think there was like a huge acquisition with them this past week that I read an article about. But it's it's really fascinating. I just did my test. I haven't got my results back yet. Our whole office did it. We had like a whole party of like, okay, everybody swab their cheeks. So no more bad trips. No, no. more like paranoia. Yeah. No more twitchiness. Especially my parents' generation, they'll say to me, you know, the pot I used to smoke, and they always say pot. I'm right. like, it's weed, cannabis, <laughs> marijuana. Like They're like, you know, the pot. The pot I used to smoke. Are you was- on the pot? I <laughs> <laughs> Are you on the bus? In more than one way? I'm like, that means something totally I different. have no idea. <laughs> you know, they're like, it used to do this, and I used to get so high. But you have to remember that the cannabis that's cultivated nowadays, there's requirements and regulatory compliance that, you know, with regard to pesticide, like you don't know what was in what you were smoking right. in the 70s. Right. There was no way there could have been like lethal pesticides in there that they can't use now. And now there's... You know, I'm not a scientist, but there's so many like cross pollination and all this, these different strains that help with different things. And this test kind of lets you know what direction to go. And when you walk into a retailer nowadays, these what they call bud tenders, right? Are very, or should be very educated no. as to what. It is that you're looking. It's amazing. To, to... My boyfriend went in and was like, "Take me back to '86," and the guy was like, "Oh, dude, come over." Here. <laughs> I mean, it's like walking into an Apple store in these yeah. MedMen and the cases, and oh, and the dog section. Oh, I yeah. mean, the, the stuff dog that section. they have for dogs is amazing. They've got things all across the board, and I will tell you, this is a very funny story that Laura Number Two uh-huh. is going to kill me for, but I'm going <laughs> to share it anyways. You know, they make these great products for your cramps. Okay. Whether it's, you know, a cream or it's a t- something you're smoking or they also actually make suppositories, which like I don't know that I would ever try, like, you know, with caution. Right. So she walks into, you know, a dispensary and says, I'm looking for something for cramps. Like, and the guy goes, 
blatantly loud. Oh, we're out of suppositories. And she, <laughs> she goes, this retailer was completely packed. Okay. And he's screaming about suppositories and I want to climb behind the counter and hide. She goes, no, bro. I just wanted a cream. <laughs> That's not what I'm looking for. That is hilarious. It was so funny, but they make everything, everything. Like you can Let's Beyond. talk about that for one second, because one of the great parts of your article, because again, I guess this podcast is supposed to be a little bit about, you know, family law, okay. is is kid stuff. And yeah. and in your article, you know, use versus abuse and can I lose custody of my kids, as we know, and as hopefully if you guys have listened to this podcast before know, custody standards are based on what's in the best interest of the children. Okay. Yeah. So clearly it would not be in my children's best interest to be with me if I were smoking, but there are other things that are kind of on this list that Alexa has in her article. Obviously keep the cannabis out of reach of children because we have edibles, because things are so well wrapped and beautiful. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm talking about little kids. I'm not talking about teens. I'm talking about a kid that's crawling or walking yeah, around that happens candy on, the, candy on the counter. That could be not good. Okay, then also, if you do have adolescents or kids, they do want what's forbidden. It is not legal for children to smoke if they're under 21 years old. Therefore, you still have a vast amount of time if you've got kids in the home that are under 18, because that's when you're talking about legal custody in the state of California. And in other states, it's older. Don't leave stuff around. Don't leave it in an unlocked cabinet, whether they're happening upon it by accident or they are trying to get into it. Your responsibility as the parent is to make sure that they don't, correct? Absolutely. You know, the the state of California also is very aware of this issue. And there are requirements for packaging to be um, tamper-proof and child-proof, especially if it's not a one-time use package. It needs to be resealable. I can't get into half of these packages. Like, I, well, we know why that's because you're high. Because I'm high. I have no idea how to. I'm like, how do I open this? Um, you know, when there's exit bags. Awesome. We want our we want our users to be able to get into the package, but we don't want their kids to get exactly. Into it. You know, you you just you want to be really cognizant of where you're keeping your product. Don't leave it out on your coffee table. Don't leave a bong on your co- if that's your you know ingestion method of choice. I've had some clients who, and you know just as well as I, you know, CPS gets involved. They're never leaving. Right. And I had, unfortunately, a client who CPS got involved because, you know, when the police raided their home, they had flour all over the table and their children were kind of running around the living room. Not you know, baking flour, by the way. CPS no, not is ch- baking Child Protective flour. Services and CPS and, and flour meaning like b- little like buds, the buds of flowers. Like yes. the buds of flowers. So just come on, guys. Be a little responsible. The other yeah. thing is, and she puts this in the article as well, look into your workplace policy on cannabis use. Because if you get fired and you're in a custody battle, your ex is going to use that against you. And the judge is going to go, perhaps, I don't care that you smoke pot. I care that your judgment was so bad that you ended up getting fired because you smoke pot or that you you can't smoke and drive, that you got pulled over and lost your license because you smoke pot. So be responsible. Be responsible with your use, you know, as employers they still can have their own private policies, yes. whether weed is legal or not. Yes. Alcohol is legal, but you can't be wasted at work. Right. Totally um, true. You know, so just be cognizant and, and use good judgment. As anybody should when you're having custodial time with your kids. 
With knowledge comes power. And one of our goals in producing this podcast is to educate you about the law. Alexa, with all of your experience in criminal defense and cannabis law, you undoubtedly have experience with form interrogatories, correct? Yes, ma'am. So for those of you who are new to our show, interrogatories are a formal set of questions propounded by one litigant and required to be answered by an adversary in order to clarify matters of fact. The divorce sucks interrogatories are nothing like that. They're purely and simply just for fun. So Alexa, do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Yes, I do. Are you single, married, or divorced? I'm single. What is your favorite dating app? Oh, <laughs> you know what? I deleted it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. So uh, how do you meet people? Go out and about. Okay. I like to meet people face to face. People on Studio City are like, oh my God, there's the council woman. I know. Go talk to her. <laughs> Buy me a coffee. <laughs> What's your favorite breakup song? Um, I love the Lanny album. Malibu Nights. I got way too much time to be this hurt. Somebody help, it's getting worse. Okay. But, you know, I give myself X amount of time to like wallow, and then I get my ass up and I'm with Lizzo, Truth Hurts. Okay. Have you heard that song? No, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I, I'm going to listen. <laughs> you absolutely should. Okay. I took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100% that bitch. It's great. <laughs> it's phenomenal. Okay. Well, she we checks can... her nails, does a hair flip, and walks She's right out, out. feeling hella good. Okay. That's what it's about. <laughs> She's rad. So you're missing out, Laura. Is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen right now. What would you say to cheer up a friend going through a breakup? Would you just sing them... Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I give them like, you've got a day, a to, day to enjoy the shittiness and the tears. And then we're we're out and about. OK, let's go. Going to go. Yeah. Grudge Take okay, a trip. I like it. And grudge <laughs> go right there. Which, which romantic comedy could you watch on repeat? Oh, um, Pretty Woman. Yeah. P.S. I love you if I need to cry. Yes. Yes. Um, we don't get Pretty Woman a lot. That is a really good one. It's a good one. Serendipity. Oh, love. Serendipity. Loved. Kate Beckinsale yeah. and John Cusack, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. First Wives Club. Really? So good. I know. I've got some weird taste in movies. And he's just not that into you. Yes. That's Everybody a great needs one. That, that reminder. Ensemble cast. I, yes, Everybody needs awesome. that reminder. All right, Alexa, thank you for sharing your insight and knowledge of cannabis law with us today on Divorce Sucks. Please tell our listeners where they can find you online. Oh, you can find me all over the internet. (laughs) So you can head over to manzurilaw.com. We've got a ton of great blog articles about cannabis, cannabis law, CBD, anything that your heart desires. Um, On Instagram and Twitter, we are at 420 Attorneys. We've got some great resources and information there. And you can email my office at info at manzurilaw.com, M-A-N-Z-U-R-I law.com. Send us your email address. You can get on our monthly newsletter. Awesome. Pot is legal now in many states and the green wave doesn't show any sign of tamping down soon. So if you're in the throes of a breakup, considering a divorce or in the midst of one, make sure when using legal marijuana or cannabinoid products that contain THC or CBD, you do your homework. Like with everything on this show, educate yourself. Know that the drug can affect you and how it might impact those around you, including your kids. I'm Laura Wasser. This is Divorce Sucks. And thank you for listening. Let's speak again next Monday. Later.